John chapter 2, verse 12. This is the part of our message where we are getting to Jesus in the temple. Jesus came to the temple and he tore the place apart with a whip. That girl that was talking about, let me reintroduce the real Christ. Man, that's what we're about tonight. We are about the real Jesus. And guess what? He loves you, but he wants to change you. And he's radical Jesus. He's not just petting your sin, Jesus. He's the same type of Jesus that set me free from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, perversion in one step, Jesus. Don't even get me started. You see, Jesus will change your life. See, religion will have you go into church on Christmas, take your communion, and walk home to a living hell that you've been dealing with. See, but the real Jesus will change you. But it takes you accepting him for who he is, letting him change your life. And he doesn't come in like you see today on, on these shows, like these renovation shows. Like the guy comes in, he's like, well, I'll tell you what. Let's just, let's just work with the, the shelves right here. Let's just, let's just keep the room the same and put some carpet, some lavender carpet. No, Jesus don't come into your life like, oh, you're a good girl. You only got a few problems. We're just going to work on you stealing. No, 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 no. Jesus comes and he renovates your life. He comes with a hard hat and a construction team. And he's like, boop, boop, boop. Bring the cane over here. Knock the whole thing down and start over again. Make a new Alyssa. Make a new Joe. Make a new Robert. Are y'all listening? See, Jesus is into making new creations. Bible says we were born sinners, but in Christ we get to be born again. Now I want y'all to see John chapter 2. If you're there, can you say I'm there? I want y'all to see what Jesus did when he went to the temple. Now we are going through the entire book of John. The entire book of John, man. Every single week we are going through this book. I need somebody to grab me. Uh, a set of notes, so if somebody grab me one, please. And I need everybody to be in John chapter 2, verse 12. If you guys are there, somebody say I'm there. Somebody grab me a note, please, if you can. Thank you. Look at John chapter 2, verse 12. Look at your Bible, though, please. We'll look at the screen later. I want you all to get used to reading your Bible, man. It says, After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So where is the temple located, y'all? Nope, he was at Capernaum, but where did he go to get to the temple? Everybody say Jerusalem. Question number one, what city was Jesus visiting? Jerusalem. Now, verse 15. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house, my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Keep going to the next verse, verse 18. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he was speaking of was his body. Now everyone look up here please. It's very simple. 
Jesus now has just started his ministry. We have gone through the whole book of John now. We're already in chapter 2. So the first chapter, what happens? Jesus had John the Baptist come and prepare the way. Remember, John the Baptist was radical. We then see that Jesus was baptized. Then Jesus picks his disciples. Now Jesus starts doing miracles. Well, one of the places he wants to go is the temple. He wants to go to where everybody's supposed to love God, where everybody's supposed to be down with what he's about. And he goes into the temple and he sees people selling stuff and making money. You see, because when you went to the Jewish temple, you had to make sacrifices and you would have to have animals. And so what the Jewish people began to do was make the whole temple a courtyard to sell all of these animals. And instead of giving them to each other, they began to make money and they would exchange money because the Roman Empire spanned many different countries. So some people had different money, you know, like pesos, a euro and a dollar. And so these people were there in that place and Jesus flipped over their tables, knocked over what they were doing and he says you have not respected my house then they say well what what do you prove that jesus give us a sign how do you prove to us we should listen to you and jesus says destroy this temple and i'll raise it up and they're like dude it took 46 years just to build this temple he said no i'm talking about my body how many believe jesus was dead buried and rose again from the dead and you all believe that he was crucified buried and rose again now watch verse 22 after he was raised from the dead his disciples recalled what he had said Then they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about men, for he knew what was in man. I want you to imagine what it would be like to see somebody like Jesus have zeal for God's house. To walk into church and be so zealous, so passionate, that when he saw the thing out of order, he makes a whip. What do you think you and I would have done? We would have freaked out. We would have thought this was a maniac. You know why? Just like the girl was saying, we would crucify Jesus over again if he came down here. You know why? Because we think of him like Barney, like, I love you. You love me. We all think like Jesus was just walking around going, I love you, Tito, my little children. Oh, we're all happy together. And like he's just like holding hands and, you know, we are the world. We are his children. Just walking through the streets. You would have said, no, 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 that can't be Jesus. Why would Jesus make a whip? Why would Jesus actually put that whip on people? When I saw Joey coming up, I was like, oh, no, what's going on? Because I'm like, if he's going to do what Jesus did, it would be like, it wasn't like Jesus was beating them. It was just Jesus was driving them out. How many know you see Jesus coming with the whip, you're going to start running. And you might catch a licking. How many have ever caught a licking from your mom? She comes running with the shoe, the bell. It's like, and man, my mom is just, and if she could have like that extension cord, it would be like some magic. It would be like, <laughs> coming around the room, oh, she got me. Mom could do it. Now watch, Jesus is coming in. Get out of here. Get out of here. You've made this place a den of these. What would you and I have done? And hold on for a second. Where would we be? Whose side would we be on? Would we be the ones being whipped? Would we be the ones in church coming for another reason? And Jesus is saying, what are you doing here? Like what if Jesus came in here right now and he drove out with a whip 
All those that were here to hook up with a boy and a girl. All those here looking at the girl across the row. Oh, man, yeah, dude, she likes you. Get her number after service. What if Jesus came in here and said, oh, y'all, get out of here. Who would be catching a lick in that? Hello? What about all those that came here and they didn't want to come and they were just forced to come and their parents made them come and drop them off and I have to be here and I can just look at some of your faces and see. It's like, mm, mm. How quick would it be before you caught the licking? Could you imagine being on the other side, though, with the disciples? Like you're just like, we're going to church. And all of a sudden it's like, you're like, oh, what's going on, Jesus? And you know what I'm saying? Like you're pulling out the gas. All right, let's get it on. Man. Say hello to my little friend. Revolution! You know what I'm talking about? I think if I was a disciple, I'd be like, yeah, let me add him, let me add him. But you know what? See, it was, it was totally in between that. It wasn't like just crazy, but it was also for a point. See, he's our creator. He, we are his children, and he was putting us in check. Discipline is a good thing, y'all. And our Jesus came to discipline us when we were out of order. Now, I want y'all to look at this. I'm going to go through the story with you. First thing, he was in Jerusalem, and he was coming at the time of the Passover to this place called the temple. Now, this is probably what the temple looked like. And where he was at was all up in this part right here, all up in this, this part right here. And this is where they made a whole market right here. And when he came there, he said, this ain't good. This ain't good. He says, y'all coming to church for the wrong reasons. That's the first thing that we learned. So question one, where was Jesus visiting? Jerusalem. What was Passover? It was a festival that goes all the way back to Moses' time. Moses predates Jesus by about 2,000 years. And when Moses and the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt for them not to get killed by the death angel, they had to sacrifice a lamb, put it over their door, and the death angel passed over their house. Hello? How many think that's probably where they got the word pass over? Jesus was in Jerusalem during Passover, meaning this was a time that Jewish people were supposed to be celebrating that through the blood of a sacrifice, God's judgment would pass over them. It would be similar for you and I celebrating Easter, celebrating that day, saying this is where, because, man, I'm a sinner, I've told a lie, and I made anybody perfect here? And we got any perfect ones yet? Because I'm always looking for those perfect ones. Okay, no perfect ones. So how many people have ever made a mistake in life, right? Okay, so it would be like Easter You're supposed to be celebrating Easter because the cross, the blood of Jesus, means the judgment of God passes over you. But instead on Easter, you coming to your church and praying and thanking God and living holy, it's all about your new outfit. And it's about an Easter egg hunt. And you're doing all these things. And Jesus is like, no, you guys have missed the point. You see, Jesus was coming to celebrate the Passover. God's mercy upon a people and the blood being shed by animals to forgive their sins. And the people forgot everything about it. When was the last time you actually thought about some of our holidays? When was the last time you actually thought about Christmas? Christ's Mass. Christ was born and Mass is a celebration. You mean I'm actually supposed to be celebrating Jesus, Mom? I mean, I thought it was about me getting a PlayStation 3. Oh, did you forget? It's actually about Jesus. 
We want to give gifts to each other, but it's supposed to be his birthday. I think that would be pretty rude if I showed up at your birthday party and, let, you know, I said, I come to see Nicole. I'm like, hey, Nicole, what's going on? I love you, girl. And then I'm like, here, Alyssa, here's a Hummer. This is my gift to you. But, Nicole, you get nothing. You get nothing. It's your birthday, Robert. But, hey, Joey, here's a brand new set of clothes. Here's, a, here's gift certificates. To your favorite stores. Guess what? We're saying it's Jesus' birthday. But some of y'all come up here. Yeah, I'm put my couple quarters in here. I'm going to put like 20 cents in here. Because Jesus, you know, he probably don't need it. Pastor's going to go use it to buy his new car. So I'm going to put it in here. Put my little 20. How would you like to wake up Christmas morning, find two dimes by your little Christmas tree? That's all you get. That's all you get is two little dimes. Two little, but you know what? We, Christmas got forgotten somewhere. It's not about Jesus anymore. It's about us. What about Easter? Now it's Easter egg hunts. You know what? This was about Passover. They made it all about money. Somebody say, preacher, preacher. All right, so I came to do. Now look at the next thing. These people are selling things. They're exchanging money. See, exchanging tables, exchanging money. All of that I explained to you. And he flips it all over. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think Jesus wants to flip over in some churches right now? What do you think Jesus would flip over right now if he came into a church? Jesus walks in. He's like, what? What is this woman doing up here? Why is she? Why are there candles next to her? That's my mom. They don't even look anything. I'm, I'm, I'm Arab. They don't even look like an Arab woman, first of all. That looks like a white blonde. And who's that one hanging up there all limpy? And, huh? That's supposed to be you. That ain't even me. I'm not no blonde hair, blue eyed, pale skin, skinny boy. I can see Jesus just throwing it all down. What are you doing? Get it out of here. Throw out the religion. Throw out the garbage. Where's my word? Oh, pastor, oh, Jesus, oh, the only person that has the Bible is that guy way up there on his podium. You mean my people don't even hold my word? I can see Jesus wanting to throw some stuff out. Y'all better get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. And look at that last statement that he says, zeal for my house will consume me. Jesus had zeal for his house. These are some artists' representations. Then the people ask him about what sign are you going to give? Like, prove it to me. Kind of like some of y'all think right now. Like, prove it to me, Pastor. I need to listen to you because I don't believe you. I don't, you know, and all the other churches do it different. Prove it to me. You know what? I don't got to prove it. Jesus already did. He died, buried, and rose again and gave me the word right here. Y'all listening? You can believe it if you want, but I'm going to believe it right here. This is it. On the solid rock of the word of God, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Make your choice. Amen. Now, I still love you. Look at your neighbor and say, he loves us. See, I smile. Now, I want you to see this right here. He was saying, you know what? You're looking at a temple like that's all religion is, is a building. But he's saying, I'll give you a sign. I'm going to raise from the dead. You know what? A church is not 2,500 square foot building with a storefront window and my pretty wife and I there. No, that's not a church. Nor is a church a huge building with crystal cathedral and stained glass windows. You know what a church is? It's people. And we just happen to meet here as people. That's why this is church. We people leave. They put dollar store stuff back in. This is a dollar store. Right now, all across America, churches are closing down, becoming clubs tearing them down, building condo, condos. You know what? Because people don't want to serve God anymore. People want to make it about religion, and religion is lame. 
That's why none of your friends really go to church. That's why when you talk to people about coming to this church, they think, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to a building. But they don't think about, I don't want to be around people who love God. Because you know what, in America today, who's a person that really loves God? Oh, Kanye West loves God, but he talks about the booty more than he talks about Jesus. So the people in the world, they're like, why should I even go to a building with those type of people? But you see, real religion is not about a building. A real relationship, rather than the word religion, is about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Walking you through the questions. Number one, what city was he visiting? Everybody say Jerusalem. What was Passover? It was the time that God passed over the people of Israel. It was a festival. Number three, how did Jesus treat the people in the temple? He cast them out. Number four, what made Jesus angry? They had false religion, and they were doing things their way. What made Jesus so mad is that people had false religion. How many false religions are out there? You know, sometimes we think that every religion is the same. You know, we think it's like make-believe. You know, like we're going to go to Disney World, and like somebody's like, hey, man, I'm going to go to the Peter Pan ride. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the Cinderella ride. It's like they're all fun. The Peter Pan ride is so much fun because we get to be Tinkerbell. And then Cinderella, you know, and then the Seven Doors and all of that. And we're like, you know, I'm Muslim. I'm Catholic. I'm Christian. Well, that's okay as long as you believe in a God. It's like all make-believe, right? It's like you get to do what you want. I get to do what I want. If I want to meditate and look at a golden statue of an overweight man called Buddha, it's like, that's cool. That's fine. Hey, you want to put little, little Dito Jesus on your, on your car and, and do all of that? That's fine. God doesn't care. It's as long as you love him some way, somehow. Is that what our Jesus said? Did Jesus just come prancing up in there? Was Jesus just prancing into the temple? I promise you, man, this is what people think today. He just came prancing up in there. Hey, guys, what's going on? Y'all doing this stuff? All right. Let me get some money. Let me, get, let me do the thing. Thank you. Is that what he did? Is that what our Jesus was about? Our Jesus, what are y'all doing? Get out of my father's house. He was passionate. He was a man on fire. And he came to start a revolution, not with guns, not with military force. I'm not angry at people. I don't want to blow up Muslims now because I think they have a false religion or other churches in the city. You know, it's not about that. Jesus was saying this kingdom is about God and God has order. It's not just we make up how we want to live for him. Like everybody's okay. We're all doing the same thing. No, I want to ask you a question. What do you think zeal means? I put up there, zeal means passion. Number five, what made Jesus angry? Or number four, rather, what made Jesus angry was seeing false religion. We'll get to number five in a minute. But number six, what does the word zeal mean? It says, his disciples remember that he taught, zeal for your house will consume me. Do you think respect for the GDs consumes a gangster disciple right now? You think, you think zeal for Latin kings is consuming some people right now? You think zeal to have a girlfriend is consuming some guys right now? Vice versa with girls? Do you think right now there are people in entertainment that have zeal for making money and it consumes them right now? 
Jesus said, this is what I get passionate about. This is what I get fired up about. This is what keeps me up all night. This is what has me work 40 hours straight without sleep is my father's house. And the house was more than just bricks. And, oh, God was like, oh, I love the brick. That's what I love. No, he loves people. You see, because when God's house was not helping people, they were taking from people. And now you turn on Christian TV and it's like, here's a bottle of holy water, $24.99, and you'll get it free, and, and blah, 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 blah. You know what Jesus would do? He would do it. I want to ask you a question. What do you think zeal means? Put down your definition. I put it to be filled with passion. And I want to ask you a question. What gets you angry? What are things that just bother you the second you hear about it? Child abuse? It's like the moment you think of child abuse, does it just bother you like an innocent child just being beaten and just hurt and sexually abused and verbally abused? Does that bother you? Are you zealous? Would you fight for that right now? If you saw a child being abused, would everything just rise up in you? Man, I'm taking off my belt. I'm stopping this. I'll do anything I can. What about slavery? What about if you saw somebody pinned up against the wall and just taking lashings and lashing, you dumb slave and just being cursed? Would that make you want to take the whip out that person's hand? What makes you zealous? What gets you riled up? What would you fight for? A lot of people say abortion doesn't kill anybody yet. That's what an abortion, that's what a partial birth abortion looks like. Does that bother some of you here? Not that you want to go whip the mother who wants to do it, but does that just bother you on the inside saying, I don't want to kill a child. I would never do that. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll stop having sex till I'm married. I will do whatever because I don't want that. What about every time you've got to walk through your metal detector to go to school? Boop, boop. Oh, no, you got to go back there, take out those big hoops. <laughs> try it now. Boop, boop. Oh, you got some gold in your mouth. Okay, try it now. How many are just bothered by people fighting all the time in your schools? Doesn't it just bother you? Come on, put it on that paper right now. Number five, what makes you angry? Some people think anger is wrong by God's definition. No, 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 just what you get angry about. God got angry that day. Jesus got angry. He got angry about false religion. Of course, these things make him angry. That's why there's a place called hell. These things will get punished if they don't repent. But be honest with yourself. What makes you angry? Are you all ready for the message tonight? Somebody say, preach it. I want to give you three things today, right now, that I think Jesus Christ wants out of his church. See, I'm a pastor, and my job is to make sure that you live for God. That's my job. You know, we have one of our young men in the ROTC. Reuben, why don't you stand? Let's applaud him for his discipline and his hard work. Give him a hand clap. Stay standing, my brother. Some of you all laughing because you can't do what he does. That's okay. We know you're silly. Now, I want you all to look at Reuben, and I want you to think what that stands for. That stands for discipline. That stands for respect, which some of you don't have even for him. And that's a shame. You can't reply to your own friend. I applaud you. And you know what? We have a man that goes to our church that's a master sergeant that prepares men for military. Now, I'm not talking about politics, how we feel about the war. But one day, if Reuben would go and do that, he's got to get ready. And you know how I look at each one of you? I look at you as my soldiers that God entrusted me with. And I need to prepare you. And you need to go out to school, not just wearing a uniform, but you need to look different. Let's give it up for Reuben one more time. Thank you, soldier. 
He'll be taking autographs at the end of service as well. I think he's also single. I want everyone to look up at me, please. My job is to get you ready for the battle. And you know what? These are three things that I'm going to show you in the Bible today that I'm being honest as the pastor of this church. And those of you who are new, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We love having you here every week. But let me give you a quick history lesson on this youth group. This youth group is only two years old. And this youth group started on the front of that sidewalk with zero students. This place is as big as it's ever been. Every week is almost our largest week. Five, six visitors come. It keeps growing and growing. That's why we're pushing out the other chairs and shaving my head and being crazy. But I want to tell you this. As the pastor of this awesome youth group, I have got to be honest with you. I think if Jesus came to this youth group right now, I think some of y'all would be running from him. I think some of y'all would be running. You know what? Because I always do worship up here. I could start. I could put four things right there. Because I was watching some of you, and I never watch people. You all know what's ain't about watching people. Just you know, I'm worshiping God, raising hands. It's a sign of surrender. It ain't even just about that, but it's just about passion and raising the roof and being loud for Jesus. Man, I was sitting back, uh, you know, standing back there, just kind of watching y'all. It was so weird, man. It was so weird. There was like, like, like one group of you loving God, and it was like, man, I'm proud of this church, man. I'll go to battle with them. Then it was like a whole other group of you, man, just like farting around like you couldn't even focus. And like I'm thinking to myself, man, don't you understand? This ain't about a karaoke song. This is not about like, you know, your favorite hit. This is about Jesus, man. Like we're not singing songs like, oh, I love that person. They're my favorite artist. Guys, I didn't even listen to music like that. I used to listen to gangster rap and hard, heavy metal. The only reason why today I fall in love with those songs is because it's about Jesus, man. Now, there are different styles, don't get me wrong, but just to sit here or stand here and, and, you know, we say everybody raise their hand. And even then, you know, just like half of you, man, I would put the number fourth there. I think God would whip us out of his own church because we didn't even come to pray. We didn't even come to worship him. It's like, man, if you didn't come to meet with him, I respect you. I mean, I appreciate your respect for me, but you understand I'm not the star of the show tonight. I'm not the main man, you understand? The main man is Jesus. In that first half hour, the introduction, man, hand claps to him. I mean, it's really all just about him. And to see some of y'all just be like this the whole time. Now, once again, I respect that you're not fighting and, and killing each other. I mean, you do pretty good. You came to church. And there's a lot of things to be happy for, right? You know, I'm cool with that. But just to be like, this with Jesus? I'm like, man, if Michael Jordan walked through the door, you know, Allen Iverson or somebody you love and respect. Or, you know, do you ever see a concert? You know, like, a, uh, you know, any concert you all like, any type of music, you see them like this? I mean, come on, man. They're they just telling you to shake your booty. They're just telling you to give them more money. I mean, they're just lying to you. And here we can worship God. So here are three things Jesus wants out of his church. Somebody say, tell it. Number one, he wants the hypocrisy to leave. Let's go to Matthew right here. Come on. Somebody say, Jesus wants the hypocrisy out. Y'all got a little quiet on that last part. Somebody say, Jesus wants the hypocrisy to leave. Gersella, will you grab me some water, please? Everyone turn with me to Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Thank you. I know this is more mature than most of you have to act in the week, so I'm going to ask you guys to hang in there with me. Don't disturb your neighbor right now. Some of you are in junior high, and you guys can't stay quiet for more than five minutes. Respect the people that are here that want to hear this. Matthew 15, 7 through 9, if you're there, say I'm there. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. You see, every scripture that I'm going to show you tonight about the three things Jesus wants out the church are the three things that he told these people. This is what he told the Jewish people. He said, you guys are hypocrites. You know what the word hypocrite means in Greek? Actors. I think there's a lot of actors in here right now. I think there's a lot of acting Christians right now. You can call me crazy. You can say I'm wrong. But I think there's some of y'all just acting. And you don't really have to do it for me because I, A, don't care. And B, I can't do nothing for you pretending to love Jesus either. I mean, Jesus is the only one that can do anything for you. And he ain't going to do nothing for you pretending. So why are you pretending? Why did these people go to church that day? Why were they there selling stuff? Why didn't they just have their market, wherever markets are? Why did they have to put that stuff in the church, man? I want to ask you guys as young people, why would you bring your mess to the church? Now, a hypocrite, don't get me wrong, is not somebody who says, I have problems, I'm willing to work on them. No, because otherwise nobody would be welcome in the church. I would have to set down the mic and be like, oh, I'm not perfect. So what really is a hypocrite? It is somebody pretending, oh, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I come here on Friday to pray. I read my Bible. And really, you don't give one flip about any of those things. So in one sense, yeah, it is better for you just to be who you are in worship and just be a little ornery, stubborn self that some of you guys are. But then again, it's like, why did you come? Did you come for another reason other than God? Well, then you're a hypocrite. Why would you come to church, have your family drop you off, bring you here as young people and not want to be here for God? That is a hypocrite. If anybody today out of this youth group goes to their school, and if I was with you, and by the way, I've done this as well, and I show up with you at your lunchroom, and, you, and I come to your lunch table with all your close friends, and they're like, man, who's this dude? And I'm like, I'm Juan's pastor. And if everybody at Juan's table went, ah! Juan has a pastor? Then Juan would know he's in trouble. I don't think that would happen with him, though. But I want you to be honest with yourself. Do your friends really think you're a Christian? Like a real Christian. Do they really tell a difference in your life? Are you really living like you come here and are taught? Because guess what? Imagine, you know, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Somebody that pretends they know martial arts, you know. You guys will be like wrestling around. I'd be wrestling around with people. And every now and then there's guy, this guy that comes out. He's always kind of a little dorky guy. And he's like, ah! And you're like, dude, what is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, man, I take Taekwondo. And you look at him, and you're just like, you're a dork. What are you playing for? He's like, yeah, I'm the Taekwondo expert. Now, if that dude was going to class like he said he was, and he still looked as foolish as that, man, that man is retarded. You know what I'm saying? Nothing against retarded people. I mean, God loves them, but when someone's normal and they act retarded, that's even more retarded. And some of you, you, you're like, I'm a Christian, and blank this, and F that, and oh, that booty looks good. And people are probably looking at you going, what? You go to church? You look lame. You, you wore that one Christian shirt that one day, you know, because you had nothing else to wear. And, and that's the only time I've even seen you talk about Jesus. Man, that's a hypocrite. Somebody say, Jesus wants hypocrisy out. 
give it the boot. Look at this next scripture right here. Let's look up here. We've got to go through these quick. Matthew 23, 13 through 15. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of God in men's face. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You know what a hypocrite's like? Everyone look up at me, please. Let me show you what a hypocrite's like. It's like a friend who brings you to church, and they ain't going to heaven. But all of a sudden, you start hearing the preaching, and, and you get excited. And I've seen this happen so many times. And you're just new to the church, and you're, you're like, man, I'm going to the front. And all of a sudden, your friend's like, no, don't do that. That ain't cool. Church ain't cool, man. We just come for the guys. Don't go take it serious. It's like some of you actually prevent your friends from living for, for, living for God. I want you to think about that. Some of you are so much of a hypocrite that you actually keep people around you from living for God. Like, instead of being the one here up at the front, raising up your hands, saying, man, I love you, Jesus. Man, you come and bring people to church. Even though you ain't even going to heaven, you still bring them, which I guess is okay in some sense. But then when they try to come, like, you hinder them from coming. It is so funny. I have seen this happen. I have seen people, hypocrites, bring their friend to church, then their friend get on fire, and the other friend leaving and getting offended. And now the person who stays in the church is the one that they brought. I've seen it. You heard my leader saying, it's true, it's true, it's true. Because we've seen it. Some of you all ought to be leaders by now, but you still followers. Some of you here should be making a difference. And not only are you not helping the cause of Christ, you holding back people. The hypocrisy has got to go. There is nothing noble in you being a hypocrite. And once again, if that is your definition of religion, you can go be in the temple with them folks. But you're still going to have a problem if you leave Metro Praise and go to some other church. Because one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to handle some business. The book of Revelations is not Jesus going, coming back and having a happy meal with us at McDonald's playground. The book of Revelations talks about a battle called Armageddon. A billion people die. The blood is as high as a horse's head for a hundred miles. That's serious. Don't be a hypocrite. Those who know better ought to live better. People ought to see the difference in your life. You have mistakes. I have mistakes. Let's be honest about it. That will be like me coming up here before you preaching this whole message and going out and having some homosexual love affair doing crystal meth like you heard pastors before do. The Bible says he wants it to leave. Somebody say, kick it out. I'm going to show you number two. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. He wants the love of money to leave. What is number seven? Why does Jesus hate hypocrisy? Because it keeps people from God. We go out to Belmont and Clark quite often. And, I, and I'd rather talk to somebody that's an atheist, that hates God. And I debate those people all the time on the, on the Internet as well. And I'd rather talk to somebody like that and teach them something they don't know than to talk to a Christian who's like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm okay. Man, call yourself anything else but a Christian. Call yourself a, 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 a Muslim and still call yourself a, a Christian lesbian, a Muslim lesbian or something. I don't even make any sense. Like I'm a Christian murderer. I don't even make sense. God gave us commandments. Christians keep commandments. Joe, have you broken some? Yes, I have. But guess what I do? I don't hide them. I don't pretend I'm okay. I'm not proud either. I don't have a parade like, Today is Lust Pride Day. Joe is now going to start a parade where he's happy because he's lusted after somebody other than his wife. We don't have a pride day for sin. 
when I sin and I lust or I become angry or I'm not patient or I'm not kind, I, I get on my knees and I pray and I say, God, I know you did not make me to do these things. I ask for your forgiveness. That's Christianity right there. Now, the love of money is something else. You're all going to like this right here. Look at Luke chapter 16. If you're there, can you say I'm there? It says right here, no man or no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Now, this is Jesus talking. Now, watch this, verse 14. The Pharisees, who were the people like in the temple that day, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this. Were snarling, sneering at Jesus. They heard Jesus say, Oh, if I love money, I'm not going to heaven. Now, let me just tell you something. Only in our culture will people actually be like, I love money and rap all about it all day. But most people don't walk around going, Hey, I love money. Yeah, I love it. But you know how you can tell somebody who loves money? Because their whole life revolves around it. They don't give it to God, so they're, they're number one, they'll sin against God for it. They're stingy. They keep records of those who owe it to them. They're not givers. They don't give to the poor and the hurting. And if they help anybody, it's just their four and no more in their little family. And everything they do revolves around it. Their job. Some people have jobs. They hate their jobs, but it's their money. They get their money. And they, and they make time to retire at 65 because they hate working, but they want to make sure they have enough money just to spend the rest of their life on the beach. Like they're going to go to God one day, and God's going to say, Hey, what did you guys do after you retired? And they're like, Jesus, look at all the seashells we collected by the seashore. That's the American dream, isn't it? Work hard. Who cares if you like your job? Just retire at the age of 65, move down to Florida, and collect seashells and have a good life. The Bible says you love your life so much you can't serve God. You love your clothes and your shoes and your car and your house and all of the things your money buys. He says you can't serve God at the same time. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. You might say, oh, pastor, only God knows my heart. Yes, and he knows how filthy and greedy it really is on the inside. The Bible says what you and I think is good, he finds detestable. He's not into what car we drive. You think God cares what car you drive? You think God is into what designer clothes you have? You think God is into these things? That young man who killed people in Omaha, Nebraska, as people were shopping, even the families who were having a good time, they died that day. Do you think they went to heaven and said, hey, this is Von Marr, Jesus. Savon Mar, this is this is the good stuff. Look what I was wearing when I got shot. Boy, you see this. This is Armani right here, Jesus. What's life about for you? 
You just come here to say, oh, bless me, Jesus. Make my life happy, Jesus. Give me everything I need, Santa, Jesus. Is that what you come for? Because Jesus says he wants the love of money to get out of our lives and to get out of the church. And you should say amen. Amen. You should understand like I should understand as a pastor. If you ever see me get up here and be like, hey, fourteen ninety nine, and you get a miracle, run right up here and get your miracle holy water. You should just come up here with your Bible. Just cock back your hand really good. Bam. Pastor, I'm leaving. That's what you all should do. Just pimp slap me with the Bible if I ever turn and make this about mine. Look at your neighbor and say, just pimp slap them. Look at the next scripture right up here. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. What is life about? Somebody say godliness. When was the last time you heard Kanye West talking about godliness? I think he just got what? Nominated for five, nine Emmy uh, Grammys. How many of those songs talk about godliness, y'all? All the Beyonce, uh, Grammy emanations, how many uh, nominations, how many of those talk about godliness? How many of them really tell you about what life is about? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out. You ever gone to a funeral and you've seen somebody coming with the U-Haul and they're like, boop, 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 put it all down there. He's taking it with them. U-Hauls don't follow hearses. When you die, your body goes back to dust. Your soul goes to your creator. If you have done what he says, you stay there. If you have not, you go to hell. That may sound unfair, but that was his message. That was Jesus' message all throughout the whole Bible. That's why in every one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every one of them tell the story about Jesus driving people out of the temple. This is serious. Teenagers, let's get it. Somebody say, I. Verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. What type of trap do you see people falling into that love money? This trap that they always want more. They always want more. The pair of shoes they had last week, it's not good enough. The car they have now, it's not good enough. Oh, my face, it doesn't look right. i got to get a nip and a tuck. It's not good enough. You see, the Bible says it's a trap. It is a trap that brings your soul down. Now, is it wrong to have some greenbacks, some dollars and cents? No. But what do you love? Do you love what money gets you and what these idols, the PlayStation and the clothes? Or do you say, God, this, this is just paper. And when you want me to give it to you, I give it to you. And when it goes to the missionary and the 500 children in Mozambique Orphanage, it goes to them. And God, when it goes to my children, it goes to them. It's not about me and all of my evil desires. Oh, I don't like my nose. You know, we are the most anorexic, depressed, self-centered generation that's ever lived. You know, we think it's all cool. You know, like Dove, you know, is doing something for women's bodies now. But, man, this whole thing is corrupt. They show us in Hollywood what beauty is, what happiness is. My friends, that's not happiness. How many can have a clue to know that? Have, oh, y'all, y'all don't know that? How many know money just can't make you happy? Okay, y'all going to grow up and find it out probably a little bit the hard way sometimes. I could have you sit right here the day your grandmother died, the day your sister died, and I could just put in your hands, here's $10,000. Nothing would change. I ain't going to change the hurt in your heart. I'm going to tell you what, you got people that look at themselves in the mirror and hate themselves, and they say, well, first I'm just going to start with this nose job. 
No, 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 I got the nose there, but now I need my eyes. And Man, it's never good enough. You need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves me, and I love myself, and I'm here to love others. That's what he taught us. Somebody say, I Let's stand up to our feet today. If you love Jesus, would you give him a hand clap? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap, man. Praise God. What do you think Kanye West would teach us today? What do you think would happen today if we saw him come to our youth group? I don't even know how he could dress up like that and do that, but he did. And he still calls himself a Christian. You might say, oh, pastor, you're picking on these guys. No, no, no. We're all sinners. I'm ashamed of the things I've done. The only difference is today why we're doing this is because these people are not ashamed of what they're doing. And they're trying to teach you that it's okay to mock God and then in another song say, Jesus, walk with me. And really the whole entire time they're not playing a game with really anybody. They're only hurting themselves and showing us as a nation that this is why God is not why God is not in our schools. You know why your school is the way it is? It's because this is what we do. That's really our Jesus. I mean, I love it how it says, the passion of Kanye West. The passion of Kanye West. coming before their congregation saying, oh, we're getting a divorce. We're getting a divorce. Now, let me tell you something. Those who have gotten divorces, God can forgive their second and third chances in life. That's not what I'm saying. You're talking to a guy who is a high school dropout, committed crimes. God can forgive. But let me tell you the problem with this. They never stopped preaching. The next Sunday, he stayed there, kept preaching. She went to another church with another man. She keeps preaching. Everybody gets divorced. Those are pastors. What are they passionate about then? Maybe they're not like Kanye West, you know, saying all these crazy things in their songs, but maybe they love money, huh? Maybe that's why they like to be pastors. I don't know. Maybe they like that everybody looks at them and respects them. I want to ask you a question. How selfish do you think Jesus wants us to be? You think Jesus wants us to be selfish? Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That's like in the place of honor in their churches. So you must obey them and do what they tell you. He's like, man, just listen to them. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. How many has ever heard that saying before, practice what you preach? Have you ever heard that before? Guess who was the famous person that first said that? What was his name? No, I need you all to tell me. I can't hear you all night. Who was the first one? Jesus said, practice what you preach. How many of y'all living for Jesus here? How many here going home and living for Jesus? How many of my leaders are living for Jesus? 
How many of your parents are living for Jesus? How many pastors are living for Jesus? James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. This is what God likes. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know what Jesus said his house was supposed to be? His house was not supposed to be a place of hypocrisy. That's not what the temple was supposed to be. The temple was not supposed to be a place where they all loved money and got rich and just did whatever they wanted to in life and became, you know, players and all this. And he said, it's not about selfishness. He said, my house is supposed to be taking care of orphans and widows. Tomorrow, 12 p.m., I'm meeting with Evangelist Minnie and Sister Dorothy, two awesome women we met at Ohio Park in Cicerone, Ohio Street, the hood. Because this little storefront church said, we're going out there to where the need is the worst. And the first time I went out there, drug dealers like, yo, dude, do you even know where you are? I'm like, I want to be right here. Dude selling drugs over the fence. Hey, what's up? Tell y'all about Jesus. Saw hundreds of people say, these two awesome women in that community each go to different churches. They said, Pastor, their grandmas, by the way. They said, Pastor, we ain't even never seen this. But you've been to church 20 years. We ain't never seen this. Tomorrow we're planning the entire 2008 calendar. Tomorrow night we're going out there and singing in the hood. Not singing in the rain, we're singing in the hood. And we're bringing out toys and things for the kids. And then we're going to be in this hood. You know why? Because this church is not about hypocrisy. This church is not about your love and my love for money. And this place is not about even me or you. This place is about helping hurting people. That's what this is about. Oh, and you, you might say, oh, man, you're saying... You mean the whole time Jesus was whipping people, he was actually trying to love them at the same time? Yeah, because watch this. If we do anything else, we're going to mess up what this is for. We can't let that happen. We can't let that. I want everyone to look up at me. Don't look at the door. Let them come in. Now, everyone look up at me. Please. If you come here week after week and it's about you and you're being fake and you always just pray, praying selfish prayers for yourself and, and you live in a selfish life, this church will fail. And one day Jesus is going to say, y'all call this a church? This ain't even nothing to me. Get out of here. But if you and I, if we say, Jesus... Get the junk out of me first. Not your, me, your pastor. I start right now. Lord, change me. God, I want to be your church. I want to be about you. And then if, you know, you say it, and then Jasmine says it, and Lewis says it. And then we start living for God, man. When people look at us, they won't say, oh, yeah, there's perfect Joe. He can walk on water. But they'll, no, they'll just say, man, that's the real church right there. Oh, yeah, Junie, he's a real Christian. Why? Because they give to Mozambique, and Junie goes out in the hood, and he helps people, and he preaches the gospel with his friends, and he's not a hypocrite, and he's not about himself. 
Anything else needs to get out of here. Any attitude needs to get out these doors. Starting with me, then next is you. Amen? Let's all bow our head and close our eyes tonight. God loves you. You might not have heard that message tonight, but it was all throughout the message. That Jesus' passion is for the house of God, which is not just bricks, it's people. Jesus' passion is for us as a world, as a society, to actually know him. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I'll apologize to you right now for all the churches that you've seen that haven't been about that. As a pastor in this city, I will be the first one to say, man, I'm sorry that you guys have gone to different churches and it wasn't about orphans and widows and helping gangbangers and reaching out to your friends. I'll be the first one today to say, man, if anybody at Metro Praise has shook your hand, but they haven't made this thing about Jesus, I apologize for them because they may come to Metro Praise, but they're not of Metro Praise. I apologize. That's not what we're about. Every head bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask you a question first of all. Have you accepted Jesus into your life? We close our eyes because we don't want distraction. You can pray with your eyes open. That's fine. But right now, I don't want you to be distracted. I want to ask you a question. Do you really know God? Or are you just religious? Come on. If you need to know God right now, I want you just to close your eyes tonight. No looking around. And I want you just where you are to raise up your hand and just say, Jesus, I want to know you tonight. Just wherever you are, just raise your hands. And just pray this with me. Jesus, I come to you tonight because I believe in you. And I know you love me. Lord, but there's things in my life that I know you want to change. You want to have a renovation, Lord. And so start right now. I give you my heart. Now, if that's you, I want you to keep talking to him right now. Come on, what you need to talk to Jesus about? He's not here just to whip us and hurt us. No, the Bible says he came to die for us. But the junk in our lives, man, he don't like that junk, just like you don't like it. I've talked to so many people, they say, well, God made me this way. No, he didn't. This is the result of sin. God didn't make you to have a bad temper. God didn't make you to hate yourself, ladies, when you look in the mirror. See, the reason why we have these issues is because of sin. This came to our world. This is the corruption in our hard drive. This is the virus. And so right now, just talk to them. All Christians in this place, come on, you start talking to them. Talking to God is prayer. Jesus, I pray to you right now, Lord, that every person in here, God, gets to know you. Thank God every person in this place, oh Lord, desires you more than they desire anything else. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that nothing gets in the way of them loving you. Jesus. 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 I'm going to ask my altar workers to come forward now, please. This is what we're going to do before we go out here tonight. 
We're going to pray two prayers as a group tonight. The first one was for those who needed the Lord. Here's the second one. If you came here and you want someone to pray with you, because maybe some of those areas that you just heard about today, you're like, man, that applies to my life. And you want God to cleanse your heart. In just a few minutes, I'm going to want you to come to the cross by just coming up here to people and just saying, man, pray for me, Adolfo. Pray for me, Griselda. Because I want to live for God. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, if anyone here, Lord, I know there's many, need someone to pray for them tonight. Because, God, they need to change. And, God, they ask you into their life. But, Lord, right now, God, they got to give up some junk. You need to renovate them, Lord. If you love the sinner like me, you changed me from drugs and alcohol, party and all that crazy stuff. God, you can do it for them. God, if you did it for my sweet, lovely wife, God, who never did any of those things, but yet, God, she still was selfish. At times, she was a hypocrite, and, Lord, you changed her. God, you could do it for everybody in between. Those that don't think of themselves as that bad and those that know they've messed up. God, we're all sinners. I pray tonight people get real with you. In Jesus' name.